Today I welcome Randy Burton, Head of School at Cushing Academy in the USA. In this episode, I discuss learning to lead and leading to learn, the COVID impact on a boarding school, and the community power of integrating your neighbours into your mission. You've not only been a leader and you are a leader, but you studied leadership and not many people actually study leadership. And your dissertation at Perpadine University Graduate School of Education was titled, I think, Measuring Leadership Practices of Independent School Heads Using the LPI Self-Report. Quite a mouthful. Can you give us the Cliff's Notes of your dissertation? So the LPI report is a tool based on Cozy's and Posner, their top researchers on the, on the science of leadership. That's what really interests me about the study is, you know, you see lots of examples of leadership, but I wanted to investigate more of the academic side of what literature is out there that shows why leaders are effective, who's effective, and what those results are. And I thought Cozy's and Posner's was a nice match for my interests because they their work looks at case studies. So if you're not familiar, they wrote a, a best-selling book called The Leadership Challenge, probably almost 25 years ago at this point. Millions of copies sold and have 3 million case studies that they've researched through that time. And they put together stories of exemplary leadership. And through that, their approach is that leadership's measurable, it's learnable, you, know, you can teach it. It's a set of behaviors. And, and the book talks about five sets of behaviors that are common among all exemplary leaders, right? So they have Five or model the way, right? Which is like clarify your values, set the example, inspire a shared vision, right? Envision the future, kind of get others on board, challenge the process, search for opportunities, experimenting, taking risks, enabling others to act, collaboration, and then encourage the heart, right? Recognizing contribution. Those five commonalities of those who have been successful in leadership throughout their, you know, three million case studies resonated with me and was an area I wanted to apply to independent schools as a lot of literature didn't exist, particularly for leaders of independent schools. A lot of what I found in the topic of educational leadership had to do with public schools, right? So really looking at independent schools and even a subsector that boarding schools and how we could apply leadership practices there. So that's what interested me to go down that road and and pursue. Ultimately, that is my dissertation. Did you publish your dissertation? Because I know in the UK, not, not many people actually publish dissertations. It's an end kind of piece of work that you go towards completing your studies. But did you publish it and other people have read it in the industry? I attended Pepperdine University in Malibu, California. I was the head of the school in Southern California at the time. Pepperdine does publish it as part of you know, their library and their library of dissertations. But in, in terms of using it in, you know, published in a peer-reviewed journal or something like that, Did you find any common traits or habits of leadership in that piece of work you did? When I went into the project, I I really knew that the literature had shown both in higher ed and in public schools that effective leadership is critical for school success and improvement. And that certainly you were able to demonstrate through other published work that most of the time, strong leadership in a school correlated with that schools and performance. I wanted it to be more of a foundational study in future work because there wasn't a lot of published material on independent schools. So my study did show that heads that were surveyed uh, most reported using the model the way and enabling others to act as the two areas they most commonly exemplified in their own leadership. And, and I think that makes sense. You know, as many of us focus on acting in a way that's consistent with our own personal values and the values of schools that we're leading, and hopefully those kind of come together. And then we look to foster environments of collaboration, create and build trust which hopefully then enables others to act and advance and execute the mission. So my thought is, you know, maybe I can sort of have this be a first work for independent school leadership. What is the most important component 
of leadership? For me, it's listening. I've approached each school that I've been head of by an initial step, and that's just to begin by listening. Quick story here at Cushing, when I came on board, we have a little over 150 employees. And to start with, I let everyone know that I wanted to meet with them one-on-one individually and ask them the same five questions. What do we do well? What can we do better? What are some strengths that maybe we're not capitalizing on? How can I support you in your job? And what's your advice for me? Making those questions consistent through all of our employees, spending time individually with them. And then actually, I trans, believe it or not, transcribed their responses and read them back to them, just so you know what they said that I had uh, recorded it accurately. And then I could build my vision and my recommendations to the board of trustees on how we would pursue forward based on input from the entire community. Now, can't do that every year, but I think listening is a really key component. Yeah. And do you think anyone could be a leader? I think early theories of leadership are, you know, leaders are born and, and that sort of belief was held for a long period of time. But I think looking at the leadership that it is teachable and that we're all growing. And, and certainly I know that I have a lot to learn in leadership. And I think anyone who is running an organization hopefully looks at it as a process where they continue to build and get better and learn from other leaders and, you know, from the people in the organization. And why do you like leading a school? It's constantly changing. You know, there's, especially an independent school, because you have a combination of a lot of different aspects, business side, you have the admission side, you have the student performance and outcome side, curriculum development, college counseling, fundraising, you know, a lot of different components to taking an institution, looking at it strategically, thinking about the mission, listening to the individual constituency, whether it's students, faculty, staff, alumni, and then building a bridge to sort of that shared future that everybody communicates. And it's a big driver because you're making a huge contribution difference to the livelihoods and outcomes of a lot of young men and women who are going to be stewarded through your school. That must be a big driver because not many leaders have that kind of product to sell and to deliver and then to see real people then delivering it themselves. It's the best part, right? I have seen the outcomes culminating on graduation day, which we just had a few weeks ago, seeing students walk across the stage and with their families so proud in the audience, knowing the journeys that they've taken and the growth that they've had. And, you know, our faculty living and learning with these students for, you know, four years here on campus. It's a family environment and it becomes people that they're in contact with, you know, forever. Leadership, I know it, it can be a, a very lonely place. A lot right and you, you shoulder a lot. What do you do to ensure that you are supported as a leader, to make sure that you are kept energized, kept focused, that you're developed too? What do you do? Yeah, well, I have a great team. You know, I'm fortunate and I don't, certainly there are times when it can feel like that, but I think, you know, I've been really lucky at Cushing to come into a situation where we have a great leadership team, a supportive board of trustees. Uh, and I think the way that I make sure that it doesn't get lonely is very transparent and communicative with the team, whether it's those sort of who report to me and those that I report to, we're all on the same page and knowing what the challenges are, being able to have discussions, being at the board, managing the team, making sure that you know expectations are the same. So that I've always kind of thought that conflict resolves when expectations are violated, right? Whether they're assumed or, or communicated. So just making sure that expectations are talked about ahead of time, no matter if it's those you know, who that I'm reporting to or those who are reporting to me and we're moving together at the same pace instead of sort of against each other. So that's what I do to ensure the team at Cushing is gelling. In terms of me personally, I think you know, spending time with family, my wife and I are lucky, I have four healthy boys, three of whom are students at Cushing, one just graduated. So spending time together and getting some family time is really cute. 
Yeah, and that is important. And it's, it's also often quite difficult. You know, I'm a, like you're a father of four. I'm actually one of four boys. I know what it was like to be one of the four growing up as boys. I've actually got a two and two, a co-ed kind of family. And you do need to immerse yourselves on that because they need to be your anchor. But sometimes, you know, they can't answer the bits you need. You know, they're a really good release and almost the opposite of what you kind of have at school. Tell me about leaders that you admire, you know, in other industries, in this industry, you know, which leaders do you admire the most and why? I've been fortunate to be part of a head of school group throughout the pandemic to talk about, you know, how schools are handling viral mitigation. And there, there have been some really strong leaders on that call, peers in schools locally, you know, some have been there 30 years. I think of Drew Costatano from the Millbrook School, somebody who's been such a rock for many, many years. So certainly felt fortunate to be able to have wisdom from leaders like that on a weekly head of school call talking about challenges of their community and, and learning and being able to learn from the rest of the group. So what about other industries? So maybe commercial industries, but you know, I know your love of sport like me and you know, I take a lot of kind of great advice and inspiration from great managers of great teams in athletics. Do you have any favorites? Probably in the sporting world, I can't think of any. You know, it's funny, COVID has really decreased my time to, <laughs> to, watch, to watch sports. I'm a big Red Sox, you know, baseball fan. I haven't paid too much attention lately. You know, I, I do really like, oddly enough, listening to podcasts and uh, have listened to some on leadership. Uh, I really enjoy listening to Jamie Diamond, who's uh, CEO of Chase, talk about leadership and, and some of the experiences he's had. So I found that to be really educational and, uh, and somebody that, at least in, in those contexts, that I admire. I hope you're enjoying the Inspiring Schools podcast. We're always on the hunt for guests with vision and a desire to share them. If you'd like to be involved or know of someone with great ideas at a school near you, please drop me an email to podcast at interactiveschools.com and my team will be in touch. The beginning of the next school year is really just around the corner with the hope that life will soon return to normal. COVID tested the leadership abilities of heads of schools around the world. When looking back at the last 18 months, what lessons did you learn while leading a boarding school through a global pandemic? I think the main lesson is that when situations become challenging, you know, it's critical to stay calm. You know, during the outset of the pandemic, things were changing quickly. And sometimes the guidance, especially here, was contradictory or there was no guidance at all. And there were moments where it had been easy to kind of make hair trigger decisions or in the moment when things seem very pressing. But I think, you know, by having some perspective, remaining calm, making clear-minded decisions that demonstrate, you know, a thoughtful, measured response to the needs of our community was really helpful. And I believe we were able to do that. And while in the moment, the situation did feel like and was a crisis, managing it thoughtfully, I think helped us to be successful. You know, and in addition to that, I learned the importance of leaning on qualified experts to guide us. You know, it was clear that a pandemic, you know, we would need some outside expertise task force and our medical team and trying to align with uh, evolving state and CDC guidelines. So definitely having professionals on board helped me realize the importance of playing our role as part of the larger community was important. When did it become clear to you that school life was, was about to be upended? Because it's fascinating looking back at the times, guys. I remember looking when cases were rising, you know, we're in Italy, we're in the UK and America was like, well, it's not really hit us yet. Were you really taking note early on at what was happening? And did you kind of see that this was going to happen to America or did it come as more of a shock when it did come? I mean, we sent out our first communication 
at the end of January, actually, about the virus and ended up being a weekly series of communications. But I think, you know, in terms of school life, the first real change other than hand sanitizer and extra cleaning, things like that, was we had a family weekend in February with athletic competitions on campus, and we instituted a handshake free rule for the family weekend, which ended up being quite successful, but it was, it was a little weird, right? It's when we've all first had that first elbow bump. And I remember thinking like, oh, this is different. And if this does end up becoming you know, an, an issue here in the US, a lot is going to have to change. And from there, we went to, you know, fortunately that year, both of our girls and boys ice hockey teams were in the New England championships and the, and the girls ended up winning. You know, March is usually our time when we accept students. And I remember having dinner at a prospective student's family's home in the Boston area and driving home. It was March 11th, you know, having to pull over, write some emails, communications, getting to campus, uh, and the whole world changed. You know, it seemed like within 48 hours. So. I remember liaising doing a conference presentation with your head of communications at the time. We were talking about, you know, COVID preparations. How do you make yourself? How do you adapt and things? You had put in some really great things. You, I thought your communication was excellent. I know you had your different, was it a thermometer or was it, it was, it was a light bulb or something or a dimmer switch. That was it. I knew there was some, is a fixture of some sort, but there's a dimmer switch. And I just thought, you know, it was so simple, but so clear. There were so many things that we borrowed off that and we shared with the world for ourselves because that was a really great time to share best practice and what we thought would work. But it was simple. You were clear. And I suppose with a leader, even in tough times, communication is key and you've just got to keep talking. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, right from the get-go with weekly letters, communications, which evolved into video messages when we had to break news that you know graduation, unfortunately, would be canceled and the rest of the school year would be online. Then evolved into you know live video webinars for employees and then parents and students, uh, which were became biweekly in the summer leading up to school and and then monthly throughout the school year, which were supplemented also by written communications that really overutilizing purposefully overutilizing those methods of communication to be transparent and upfront and talk about what we're doing. And you know, if those change, then we have to communicate again. But that was okay, and I think was another key component to to our success. Community is central to most schools, but particularly to Cushing's identity and ethos. You know, I love the fact that Cushing community is called the Penguin Nation. Who wouldn't want to be part of that? What did Cushing's teachers do during COVID to keep life as normal as possible for their students? Yeah, so for our uh, Bring the Penguins Home Task Force, we had a subgroup called the Student Experience Committee, and they examined every facet. And despite not being able to leave campus and living through vital mitigation strategies, our kids had an existence that was as normal as possible due to the hard work of our faculty and staff to provide that on-campus experience with activities, bringing off-campus opportunities, something as simple as food trucks to campus. Uh, our facilities, we're fortunate in that we have really expansive state-of-the-art facilities. So we you know, opened our ice rink on campus and open gyms and big outdoor spaces and you know, common rooms. Uh, we were able to create a student center. You know, dining hall got creative and did things like a soft serve machine and uh, birthday cupcakes for each individual student when they had their birthday instead of, you know, a large cake, which had to be shared. You know, so I think faculty all really pitched in. Performing arts department did a fall play with only a very few spoken lines, but a, a narrator, right, who was on a microphone and was produced outdoors. Didn't have athletic competitions in the fall, but played what we call purple and white scrimmages. So our own teams playing each other, but all of those were live streamed for our families. At the end of the year, I think of faculty getting together for our, our senior dinner 
uh, in the girls' dorm, putting together a salon and, and helping with hair and makeup and things like that. Really trying to, you know, make it as much of a personalized, home-like experience and also maintaining that great positive experience that students have at Cushing. And that is about celebrating a story and the authenticity. And you've got to be able to go inside the school and show that. You can't hide it and it can't be too contrived or too controlled. And, you know, you'll bring the Penguins home task force was brilliant. How did you go about putting that together? Who was on it? Was it just volunteers or did you look for a certain skill set? Yeah, we were pretty intentional who we wanted on. It definitely looked for a skill set. And, you know, sort of along with the dimmer switch, you know, felt like we had to invent this next step of our operational strategy to open for the fall, you know, and this was probably mid to late April, 2020, already thinking about, okay, we got this, this year covered, right? We can do finals, virtual graduation. We get the yearbook to everybody, we can, you know, sort of maintain the end of the year, these last seven weeks, get everyone off. But it became pretty clear that, you know, not much is going to change in the next three months. And how do we bring an entire community back to school? It's going to be a monumental task. With our leadership team put together, uh, bring the Penguins home task force. And internally, it consisted of Myself, of course, our CFO, Paul Silva, our associate head of school, Catherine Pollock. You know, I knew that we were going to need outside help to, especially from an operations standpoint, because it was going to be uh, an operations problem, right? This was going to impact every single functional area of campus life. So we brought in an operations consultant who handled a lot of operational issues and they worked with us there, talking about, you know, we were talking about our needs and what they could do. And then I, I really thought we needed an all-star team to supplement our great team here on campus. So we added uh, an epidemiologist from Dartmouth Medical School who was on the Dartmouth Task Force. We added a physician who specializes in infectious disease from UMass Medical School and was also consulting with some public schools. Chair of our board of trustees was on there as well as legal counsel. And we met, you know, once a week in that first several hours going through the various issues. But I felt like was a great starting point and jumping off point for executing the strategy, which eventually led to our opening in the fall. It's an extraordinary year or 18 months that not just schools have had, but every person on the planet has had. We spent a lot of time looking backward. Can you see light ahead and let's look ahead with optimism? What excites you most about the coming year? I think I'm maybe more optimistic than most here. I do think, you know, with particularly the public health situation in Massachusetts, level of vaccination rate, you know, here and also in in New England states and by extension in the U.S. that, you know, we are planning for normalcy in the fall. We're not planning for remote classes. We're looking to reinstitute, you know, athletics and a lot of the same traditions we do. And, And I think there is a bright light on the other side of COVID whenever that is. And hopefully, you know, it is this fall, but but if, but if it is delayed or, you know, it's a gradual approach uh, or if it's one of those, you know, we're going to take two steps forward, one step back for a little while, I, there is a really bright future here at Cushing. We've done in the last four years uh, over $100 million in new construction to campus all through generous contributions to the school. We've done four dormitories. We've remodeled a couple more. We've added a new dining hall. We've added a new student center, a new athletic center. We've renovated our ice rink and, and we have more plans to come. So certainly from a facilities, physical plant, creating the space that leads to the best educational outcomes for our students. I think we're far and away. I'm excited about our academic support program and that it's one of the leading programs in New England providing academic support for students who may have, you know, diagnosed, undiagnosed learning difference, who need that academic support in a college prep curriculum. And Cushing has a long history of uh, bringing students to success through that program. And I think it's only 
improving each and every year. And I'm excited about some of the additions we've made in that area. And I think ultimately students choose Cushing for its community. And, and a lot of the strategies that we did, at least physically, right, they pulled our community apart. So I'm happy to get everybody back, get that ball up in the air again, and continue forward with establishing the kind of place that kids really like to be, uh, where they can work with faculty who are dedicated to their craft and, and kids who are here ready to learn. And as I said to our faculty, that's the magic of boarding school. You know, you put those two groups together in a place that really cares, supports, and nurtures their students and great things will happen. And me too. I'm, I'm ever optimistic. It has been hard. I mean, you mentioned community. You are in Ashburnham and you consider your Ashburnham neighbours to be part of this Penguin Nation. You know, the school has been in town for more than 150 years and has maintained a unique relationship with all the locals, including impacting the communities with millions being spent on local vendors and businesses. Cushing also offers its facilities to local groups and the public as welcome its student performances. Why does Cushing extend itself this way? Well, we want to be part uh, a responsible member of the of the local community. We want to, you know, show that we are a contributing member to not only what happens here on campus, but also to the town, the state, the region. And it kind of goes back to modeling the way, right? It's an educational opportunity as well in, in showing students that we can talk to talk about being good citizens, good members of society, but also walking the walk and, and making sure that in addition to teaching things like community service or, or responsible living or charity, that the school's also doing its part for the local community. So we try to, as much as we can, purchase from local vendors and, and utilize local businesses as much as possible. I mean, service seems to be a core piece of a lot of independent schools in America. And I think it's a really incredible thing we are doing for these young men and women because, you know, we do need to give something back. They're very fortunate. It's very privileged to go to a great school like yours. So being able for them to see an impact local community is going to give us a great foundation for where they go off to in the future. Quick story about that, I think that really brought it to life for our kids was early on in the pandemic here in the US when it really began to impact us and there were supply chain issues and you know mask shortages and things like that. When I was you know sending some of our early communications and videos, uh, I would use the phrase, we are Cushing. And with families getting the news, families in Asia getting the news that there were shortages of, of medical, you know, PPE and medical equipment here, we began receiving packages at the school from families with masks, isolation gowns, gloves, goggles, and on the boxes said, we are Cushing. And in the end, we donated to the local hospital over 15,000 masks, 5,095s, uh, hundreds of isolation gowns, hundreds of goggles. And, and it was at a, at a time when they were critically needed. So, you know, I think our families even made an impact in the local community when kids weren't here, you know, which was an amazing part of the story. Randy, thanks ever so much. It's been great speaking to you about leadership, about community and about what you're doing at Cushing. I know firsthand it's an incredible school. I'm hoping to book a flight very soon because I miss America. Well, we'd love to have you on campus. Look forward to the visit. You can connect with me on Twitter, Instagram and via LinkedIn. Remember, keep inspiring schools. We need more future school thinking now.